0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Great to see you all this weekend. Thanks for coming out. I want to thank these guys for leading us in worship today, and it's so cool to be a be a part of a vibrant place like this. I want to welcome Lone Hill and Edewanda Gardens, and those of you that might be joining us online, or maybe you're in a fireside room. Uh, so grateful you're here th- this weekend that we could do this together. I'm, I'm just wondering how many of you are watching the NBA playoffs? Anybody doing that? Uh, yeah, I think I think I think the, I think the uh, Celtics and Cavs play today, and and the Rockets and Warriors played last night. Game seven for both. It's going to be really, really fun. I'm totally into it. I am glued to it because uh, I'm, a, I'm a basketball junkie. But I, I'm wondering, how many of you got up at 2 o'clock in the morning last week and watched the royal wedding is what, what I really want to know. How many of you did that? Yeah. Now, I heard that it was beautiful and romantic and touching. Uh, I'm talking about the wedding, not the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't get to see it, but I did, I did see a portion of it. And so I wanted to show just a portion of it for those of you that maybe missed it. So take a look at this. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. <laughs> It was, it was awesome. It was really awesome. Now, of course, that was from the classic The Princess Bride. Uh, I want to come back to the real royal wedding in just a few moments. But, I, but when I see stuff like that, I I'm, I'm, I'm always think how there's probably more than a few of us that grew up with, like, you know, stained glass windows and... Uh, all kinds of pomp and processional and we had liturgies that were spoken or read in languages that we could not understand vocabulary words used that we still don't know what they mean and as kids we would put on our Sunday best and squirm in those uncomfortable clothes and we would recite something together known as the Lord's Prayer in, in those places and we, we would kind of even even put it on autopilot. I'm just being honest as, as a kid. and We would say, our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation uh, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. I, I, like every week, we, we, we would do that. And here, here's the deal. The, the thing is, that prayer was never meant to be spoken in some ritualistic, formulaic Uh, type of way Uh, And certainly never as a flippant uh, like recitation So Jesus actually gave us that prayer as an example of how to talk to God So over the past few weeks We've been trying to unpack that model prayer and today we come to the very end of the prayer So I want us to read that last line out loud together from the screen Matthew chapter 6 verse 13 Let's say it together for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen now some ancient texts don't include this benediction on the end they stop with and deliver us from the evil one and others did have that added to the end some modern modern versions of the bible uh, choose to include that Others, they may have it in the, in the margin as a footnote. At the bottom, you'll see that maybe this wasn't in all the ancient texts. And you can study all those debates, whether it should be in or shouldn't be in, if you want to on your own. But traditionally, it has been a part of the Lord's Prayer for centuries now. And personally, I kind of love that it is, because I love the way it bookends that prayer and reminds us that His greatness is the Alpha and Omega, It's the beginning and the end. From start to finish, he is worthy of all honor. And I love it that it reminds me that he is the owner of everything. For yours, yours is the kingdom. It reminds me that this life is not all about my little empire or all the tiny little kingdoms that this world goes to war over. No, no, no. Yours, yours is the kingdom. And you. Are the king. We we said a lot throughout this entire series breaking down this prayer, but you might remember this from about five weeks ago. I I taught you this word modnik and we talked about how the kingdom of God is like no other kingdom. And we, we took this word and we kind of broke it down letter by letter and we talked about how the kingdom of God in the kingdom of God more is actually less. See see we we are we are told in this world that that you, that you got to gain, you got to climb, you got to win, you got to conquer, you got to accumulate. It is all about building your own little kingdom. But Jesus comes along and says, "No, the more that you're looking for is actually found in less. In this kingdom, the way to become full is to empty yourself." Jesus says if if you want to like have it all, Then lay your ego on the altar and just follow wherever I lead you. He says, you you want the adventure of a lifetime? Then loosen your grip. Lay down your control. Surrender to my leadership and your life will be this thrill ride of passion and purpose and joy and peace and deep, deep, deep satisfaction. Because in this kingdom, in the kingdom of God, more is less and less is more and you remember in in this kingdom it's always others first in this kingdom i mean people don't power up on other people in in this kingdom they never flex their position they never flex their title to make things happen people don't use each other in this kingdom in this kingdom men don't objectify women people don't traffic kids People don't abuse each other in this kingdom. In this kingdom, people honor each other above themselves. They attach a high price tag to people. In this kingdom, they mourn with those who mourn. They celebrate when something good happens to another person, even when it didn't happen to them. People in this kingdom, they don't cover stuff up. They love the truth because He is The truth they never cheat to get ahead they fight for the underdog and when it comes to serving they're the very first ones to pick up a mop because in this kingdom it's others first last friday night i got to attend the seventh annual night to remember uh, by mission church in ventura Uh, they've been throwing a prom for special needs students uh, for seven years now very much like the shine event that happens here at ccv in february it's, it's for ages 15 to 25 there uh, for kids that often get uh, overlooked. Uh, this year, uh, they had, it was incredible, it was at the Ventura Fairgrounds, they had 468 VIP special needs guests and over 1,500 volunteers from the church and the community. Limos, red carpet lined with paparazzi and adoring fans, DJ thumping music course dinner I mean, it was so awesome and one of the things that is so awesome is to stand back and watch The the parents of those kids that come and to watch how moving it is for them to see their child Having the time of their life and being honored like this VIP uh, it, It's it's so so awesome, but one reason this year was extra special for me Was that the guy who started the whole thing almost 20 years ago? Uh, was in town? My buddy Brewster was a youth pastor of our church in Kentucky. He walked in my office one day and he goes, Bro, I got an idea. He goes, I've been reading through scripture and it says in Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, When you throw a party, don't just invite the, your rich relatives and those that can pay you back. But when you throw a party, invite the poor, the blind, the cripple, the lame. He said, What do you think Jesus meant by that? I said, Well, I think Jesus. He goes, Here's what I think Jesus meant. He said, <laughs> he said when, when, when you throw a party, invite the poor, the blind, the cripple, the lame. Oh, well, yeah, I think he got a point there. He goes, So I want to start throwing parties like that. And so we started this thing on Friday nights once a month called the Jesus Party. And all the special needs folks would come on Friday night and just had a blast together. And then it evolved in what we called the Jesus prom. And it started almost 20 years ago now. And it's so cool. To, it was so cool to have Brewster there with us this week uh, to let him see the ripple effect of his idea that now churches all over the country, really all over the world, Tim Tebow Foundation got a hold of it, blew it up with these shine a, a, a events. It was just so cool for him to see what God had done through his idea. But if you've never attended one, or if you've ever wondered what the kingdom of God really looks like, take a look at this. Heavy on your heart, heavy on your mind, wander in the streets tonight, if you cool to <laughs> see the, the kingdom of God as an others first kind of kingdom in fact in this kingdom you descend into greatness we, we saw a few weeks ago uh, a scripture that was that was one of the favorite worship songs of the, of the early churches and it, it talked about the radical version of humility that Jesus modeled. and it said this in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being found, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You descend into greatness. He did not lay his divinity down, he laid down his self. He crucified his ego because in this kingdom that's what you do and since this is the kingdom of selflessness we talked a few weeks ago about how this is a place also where generosity just flows I mean in this kingdom generosity flows like a river while most kingdoms are all about conquering expanding borders and stockpiling assets In this kingdom Jesus says it's not about the accumulation of stuff I mean what would it profit you if you gained the whole world But you lose your soul in the the process. Jesus tells us you'll never find happiness in building your own little empire. In fact, he even said it's so much better to give than it is to get. The happiest people on the planet are those who consistently and generously just live beyond themselves. And although it does feel great to live that way, Jesus was right, wasn't he? It is better to give than it is to receive. It just is. It's a better way to live. And although it does feel great living that way, it's still. Uh, a not about us kind of kingdom. It's it's not about us. I I, I talk to worship teams all the time. I mean, I, I teach at several different churches, you know, and almost every weekend I'm with a different worship team, and I often remind those of us that stand up on a stage, never seek the spotlight. Just try to be a floodlight, throwing all of our attention toward the one who put breath in our lungs. And you guys need to know something about the people that play instruments and sing on this stage every weekend. None of them are seeking like a four-chair voice turn. The only chair that matters is just one. They're trying to bring God to the edge of his seat and just make him smile. Now, it is deeply gratifying when any of us use our gifts. When you and I are living beyond ourselves and we're making a difference with our life, I mean, it does feel great, doesn't it? I mean, I was thinking about those students that were the volunteer host, for the night to remember, the the prom, those high school students and college students that volunteered to be a host for the night, to be a date for someone, I just I looked at them knowing that even though the VIP guests were having an absolute blast, the ones that were really filled with joy were the ones that were living beyond themselves and just serving somebody that night. That will serve them for a lifetime. But even in that, even though it feels so good to be used like that, in this kingdom, we're not after the applause for doing stuff like that. We don't seek notoriety. We don't seek fame. It's not about how many Twitter and Instagram followers we can amass. We aren't after pats on the back. We aren't after the credit. We deflect all praise and honor to the one who created us to do this life. It is a not-about-us kind of kingdom. And unlike most other kingdoms, this kingdom... Is not fortified with like iron gates and high walls and draw bridges and moats filled with alligators there's no big bicep bouncer standing at the door saying let's see some id no in this kingdom it is radically inclusive radically inclusive the king of this kingdom is a king of grace, and he looks beyond our faults and our flaws and our failures, and instead of giving us what we deserve, which is justice, he gives us grace. He swings the door open wide and says, I don't care what you've done, I don't care who you are, this kingdom is for everyone. Jesus said in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And gang, all this is possible because there's a king on a cross in this kingdom. You know, Jesus said, No one takes my life from me, I lay it down. And anyone who accepts the sacrifice he made on their behalf on that cross and chooses to let him be their king of their life, anyone who is done building their own little empire, and will humbly walk through the door of the kingdom of God, they will be there for eternity. He went to a cross so that you and I could be with God forever. There is no greater love. There is no greater kingdom. It is Modnik, the radically upside-down, inside-out, wonderfully backwards kingdom of God. It belongs to Him, and He invites us into it. There is nothing like it. So let's go, back, let's go back to that royal kingdom across the pond for a minute. The talk of the royal wedding was not so much about the beautiful dress the bride wore, although it, it was stunning. It wasn't uh, so much about the magnificent processional um, that they had. It wasn't even about the, uh, uh, the, the carriage ride that looked like something out of a fairy tale. Uh, the talk of the royal wedding wasn't even about all the distinguished guests that were in attendance. Uh, it wasn't even about this amazing choir that sang Stand By Me, that, which was pretty awesome. Most of the buzz over the royal wedding was about Bishop Michael Curry's sermon. His message was all over social media and television. There was this positive stir, and for a refreshing change, the love of God was a trending topic. The good news of the gospel was going viral. It it was awesome. And I just want to read you a portion, just a portion, of an edited version of his amazing sermon at the royal wedding. He said this, there's power in love. Don't underestimate it. Don't over-sentimentalize it. There's power, power in love. Not just in romantic forms, but in any form, any shape of love. There's a certain sense in which you, when you are loved and you know it, when someone cares for you and you know it, when you love and you show it, it actually feels right. There's something right about it. And there's a reason for it. The reason has to do with the source. We were made by a power of love. And our lives were meant, are meant to be lived in that love. That's why we are here ultimately the source of love is god himself the source of all of our lives the new testament says it this way beloved let us love one another because love is of god and those who love are born of god and know god those who do not love do not know god why for god is love there's power in love There's power and love to help and heal when nothing else can. There's power and love to lift up and liberate when nothing else will. There's power and love to show us the way to live. Someone once said that Jesus began the most revolutionary movement in human history. A movement grounded in the unconditional love of God for the world. And a movement mandating people to live that love. And in doing so to change not only their lives, but the very life of the world itself. I'm talking about power, real power, power to change the world. He died to save us all. He didn't die for anything he could get out of it. Jesus did not get an honorary doctorate for dying. He didn't. He wasn't getting anything out of it. He gave up his life. He sacrificed his life for the good of others, for the well-being of the world, for us. That's what love is. Love is not selfish and self-centered. Love is sacrificial, and in doing so, becomes redemptive. And that way of unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive love changes lives, and it can change this world. If you don't believe me, just stop and imagine. Think and imagine a world where love is the way. Imagine our homes and families where love is the way. Imagine neighborhoods and communities where love Is the way imagine governments and nations where love is the way imagine business and commerce where this love is the way imagine this tired old world where love is the way when love is the way then no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again when love is the way we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way, the earth will be a sanctuary. When love is the way, we will lay down our swords and shields down by the riverside to study war no more. When love is the way, there's plenty good room, plenty good room for all of God's children. Because when love is the way, we actually treat each other well like we're actually family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all, and we are brothers and sisters, children of God. My brothers and sisters, that's a new heaven. That's a new earth. That's a new world, a new human family. Isn't that good? And so so we pray, as Jesus taught us, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May up there come down here. May the upside-down, backwards, countercultural, radically inclusive kingdom of love come in the here and now. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever. Amen. I love the way Rick Warren's best-selling book, The Purpose-Driven Life, begins. It begins this way. It says it's not about you. It's not about you. And I don't know about you guys, but I need to be reminded of that often. At least my wife says I need to be reminded (laughs) of that often. Because I really can get thinking that this life really is about me. You know, how how does a narcissist change a light bulb? They stand still and let the world revolve around them. That's how they do it. This is not about me. Gang, this is the epic story of God. Now, I am grateful that I get to play a tiny but significant role in this story, but make no mistake about it. My name is not the one on the marquee. I am not the headliner. I am not the A-lister. I'm not the producer, the director, or screenplay writer. I'm not the hero. I'm not the lead actor. When the credits roll someday, I'll be listed as like fourth bald guy somewhere in the credits. It's not about me. This is the epic story of God. It's about His creative genius. It's about His indescribable glory, His brilliance. It's the epic story of His fierce, reckless, relentless, insatiable desire to love us, connect with us, His prized creation. And it's all about His incredible power. I mean, why would I depend upon my own puting strength in this life when His omnipotence is available to me? The same power that spun the planets in the orbit. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can transform a life, can restore hope, can rekindle passion. It's the same power that breaks the chains of any kind of addiction and heals broken hearts and robs the grave of any power over us. And by praying this prayer we're beginning it And ending it by acknowledging that this is the epic story of the one and only true and living God who is our loving Father our Almighty God with limitless power and limitless love the only one who is worthy of all praise honor glory and worship Jesus (laughs) Jesus taught his disciples to conclude their prayers with amen The word comes from a Hebrew root meaning to be firm and secure. So amen eventually came to mean it is immovably true. It is immovably true. So when we pray this prayer, we're saying amen to a good, good father. His character is immovably true. We're saying amen to this eternal kingdom of his because it is immovably true. We're saying amen. To his better ways his wiser wisdom his sovereign will because they are immovably true we're saying amen to his daily bread his providing hand because it is immovably true we're saying amen to his amazing grace because it is immovably true we're saying amen to his power over darkness and evil because it is immovably true so i want all of us to stand at all of our campuses right now and let's just wrap up this series by praying this prayer from our heart together today we'll put it up on the screen so you can see the words and let's just pray this prayer out loud together our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, so let me let me just ask you. Are you ready for his kingdom to set up reign in your life? Don't you, don't you want to be a part of, of a kingdom like that? A backwards kind of kingdom where more is less, and others are first, and the way to be great is to become less and serve, and to be a part of an inclusive kingdom where, where the king himself laid down his life so people could go free. Don't you want to be a part of a kingdom like that? Are you ready to let his power like wash away your sin and start to transform your character and start to break some of the addictions maybe in your life. Are you ready to start to live for his glory? instead of seeking your own well you could start right here right now and I'm going to pray and I'm going to give us all a chance to respond uh, back, back to God but let's just bow our heads and let's pray Father so grateful uh, first of all that uh, we can pray to you and call you Father and to know that you are a good good Father even though you're sovereign and your power is limitless you are love you're not like sort of loving. You don't have love as one of your characteristics. You are love. So God, I, I, I thank you that's true and that everything we've been told about you that doesn't say that is so wrong and so false and is given us such a screwed up perspective of who you are. And Jesus, I thank you for coming to show us what God's really like. And so I pray that someone here today, God would just see you as a good, good father, as a God of love. Lord, I I pray that some of us here today would say, okay, enough of building my own kingdom. This is so unsatisfying and adds so much stress to my life and so much anxiety, and I'm done. I want want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I I want to serve someone like Jesus who would willingly lay down his life and wash away my sins and give me interest in the heaven. I want to I I serve him. I want to walk with him. God, I thank you that how it all makes sense when we come to you. Life starts to make sense because it finally isn't all about us. We start to live for others and we live for you, and that's when it all starts to click. And I pray that happens to someone today. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.